Hello, everybody, uh, and here Ora. So today we are hosting uh, a webinar together with CSIRO uh, and the Department of Infrastructure, Transport, uh, Regional Development and Communications uh, to present a joint initiative, uh, the Supply Chain Benchmarking Dashboard. Uh, my name is Ekaterina, uh, I'm a communications officer at Austroads, and I will be moderating today's session together with Richard Del Place, uh, the Austroads Transport Network Operations Program Manager, who will moderate the Q&A at the end of the webinar. I acknowledge the Gadigal people of the EORA nation as the traditional custodians of the country from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the regional people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. So um, we will first hear our guest's presentation, and then uh, we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes at the end uh, of the webinar. The slides today's presentation is based on can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. There's also a question section there, so please use it to send us your questions for the Q&A at any time during the webinar. If your question relates to any particular slide, please include the slide number in your message uh, to help us answer your question as best as we can. Um, you can also use that same questions box to let us know if you have any technical problems. But just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, uh, the issue is most likely with your connection. So closing your browser and rejoining the session by your email registration link usually helps. Uh, this session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, you can also find Austroads in your podcast app. Uh, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce our presenters for today, Andrew Higgins and Ross Slater. Andrew Higgins is a senior scientist uh, at the CSIRO Land and Water Business Unit based in Brisbane. He joined CSIRO in 1996 uh, with a passion in developing novel methods to optimize agriculture, transport and logistics to increase uh, profitability across the supply chains. Ross Slater is an assistant director at the department's uh, National Freight and Supply Chain Strategy Implementation Unit. Prior to focusing on supply chain uh, benchmarking and policy cooperation, Ross has worked across a wide range of public policy areas, including uh, deregulation and innovation, uh, transport security, intelligence, and international capacity building. So welcome to our guests, uh, and over to you, Ross. Um, I won't uh, spend too long before, we, before I hand over to Andrew. Um, but um, I'd just like to provide some initial context uh, for the project, some policy context and, and around the national freight and supply chain strategy. Um, before I do, I'd just like to acknowledge that I'm coming at you from Ngunnawal Ngambri land here uh, and I pay my respects to the traditional owners and extend those respects to any First Nations uh, people joining us today. So um, just a little bit about the uh, session today. We're just going to provide a quick uh, overview of the project uh, and then we'll get into uh, about the transit facility that's uh, been a, a long-standing successful initiative with the CSIRO. Uh, and then uh, Andrew will demonstrate the supply chain benchmarking dashboard, which we hope to release in the coming few weeks uh, publicly. 
Uh, and then we'll just talk a little bit about that release and, and next steps and have some Q&A. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, please, uh, yeah, write your any questions in, in the chat box. Uh, so to begin, um, just like to say that the benchmarking project is a key action under the national supply chain strategy, freight and supply chain strategy. Uh, so we began with a pilot in 2019, looking at international comparisons of the wine and waste supply chains. We've done some uh, grain and cement work, uh, but this project uh, began late last year uh, with the CSIRO, uh, very exciting uh, project um, to be modeling uh, Australian supply chains. Um, so it specifically supports action area 4.1 under the National Freight and Supply Chain Strategy to develop an evidence-based view of supply chain performance and improve government and industry decision-making. Uh, and I'll just note that it was a really a, a key action identified under the industry-led inquiry into uh, supply chains uh, in 2017. So that was where the sort of, I guess, the genesis of the uh, benchmarking project. So as I said, the uh, dashboard that we'll be demonstrating today builds on the CSIRO Transit facility, which offers a range of information across nationally significant commodity supply chains in Australia and really builds on cooperation between government and CSIRO for the last sort of nine years and, and as well the expertise of Andrew and his team. Um, and what I hope you, I guess, find today and, and once the dashboard's released that um, the dashboard will provide users with a holistic national picture of supply chain performance and really provides an evidence base for future international comparisons and assessments, but also, I guess, those um, kinds of, I guess, performance evaluations that users, whether it be industry or governments uh, at different levels, uh, may wish to make uh, to help them in their decision-making. Uh, yeah. So just as a picture of how we see some of those uses working out for the dashboard, we uh, have developed some sort of, uh, I guess, uh, use cases uh, for different types of ways in which we see the potential benefits of, of the dashboard that we've, um, that Sora has put together with us. Um, so um, in some ways it can help, yeah, uh, uh, compare perf your, your performance, your supply chain performance against um, sort of aggregate or averages and, and even sort of potentially suggest some opportunities for improvement. Um, looking at um, you know, helping, I guess, stakeholders understand the kinds of costs that are involved in moving things around the country. Um, so really sort of demystifying um, some of the challenges that are faced in, in the logistics industry. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it'll be a really useful uh, for, at the highest strategic level as well, just to understand um, the kinds of, I guess, um, uh, systems that, are in, that different industries have in place to move their things around and get them to market, whether that be domestically or overseas. Um, it'll help provide, hopefully, a new uh, evidence base for different types of research that people may wish to do uh, to support supply chain efficiency or supply chain resilience, uh, and those kinds of things. Um, and I think especially uh, what I'm keen on is um, uh, assisting um, you know, local governments or, or um, sort of cooperative projects around Australia um, looking at how to assess uh, local freight performance, um, uh, you know, against uh, other areas in the country or other different types of industries to sort of, I guess, uh, maybe identify opportunities where people can work together and improve outcomes. Um, and yeah, and I guess as, as an overall thing, uh, it should help uh, in planning and, and eventually uh, kind of 
evaluating performance over time to help Australia manage the growing freight task. So um, we hope these uh, we, we're hoping to validate these kinds of use cases uh, after release in 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 a few weeks. Um, and with that, I'll hand over to Andrew to talk about transit and then to demonstrate the dashboard. Thank you, uh, Ross. It's uh, Andrew Higgins here. So uh, welcome everyone to this uh, webinar. Um, before I give a, a demonstration of the tool, I'll just give a bit of an overview of, of the uh, transit uh, tool itself because the data from the transit tool goes into the actual uh, goes into the actual um, uh, mass marketing tool. So the Transport Network Strategic Investment Tool, or Transit as we call it, uh, was developed over about a nine, ten year sort of period. Uh, initially started off with uh, livestock movements in Northern Australia um, back in about 2011-2012 before extended to other freight. So that includes you know, obviously more agriculture freight through uh, you know, Australian uh, agriculture white paper initiatives and other broader freight and forestry and, and mining and others through a wide range of other Australian government and other um, uh, RDC um, initiatives. So it is a computer-based tool and what it does is maps the freight movements from or origins to destinations. So an origin can be a grain paddock through to a grain silo, through to a stock feed manufacturer and you know, all the way through to uh, individual farms. Or it can be like imports such as you import uh, freight from uh, you know, Port of Brisbane it goes to distribution centres with its uh, containerised and then goes to different uh, retail outlets as another example. And includes other freight, broader freight too, like you know, your fuel imports, um, includes road and rail movements, um, and also extending it to coastal shipping shortly. So it uses a vehicle operating cost model to estimate the cost of freight and optimise the actual route and vehicle choice they would choose. So, it's based on a, a vehicle operating cost models, so it's not based on freight rates. So it takes into account the whole operating costs of, of the vehicle, that includes your crew costs, your driver costs, your tyres, maintenance costs, uh, fixed costs, uh, fuel costs, um, uh, repairs, uh, capital costs, depreciation, and so forth. And use that to estimate the cost per um, kilometre for the freight. And also takes into account, you know, you got your backloadings, your trailer types, your road conditions, and, that, and everything else. So it's a strategic tool rather than an operational one. So it's not based on uh, how many um, you know pickup and deliveries of freight on a milk run, or it looks at um, directly looks at congestion and those sorts of data, you know, operational sort of real-time movements. But it's very much a, a strategic tool. So what it does is estimates the freight movements along each road uh, segment across the road network on a monthly time set over over a year period. And by doing that, it can be used for uh, some uh, applications such as what are the transport cost reductions um, if you're going to have a road upgrade such as higher productivity vehicles like a PBS 2A to a 3A, uh, you're sealing unsealed roads, overcome uh, last mile access issues, a new road link, or you have intermodal hubs from road to rail, um, improve uh, bridge and causeway uh, conditions so you have less frequency of flooding and disruptions. As well as a regulatory uh, changes as well to the economy, such as uh, you know, biosecurity acts about uh, where you can move cattle um, in tick-free zones versus not non-tick-free zones. Um, so it looks at you know, what's the transport cost reductions to all the actual uh, supply chains involved, 
um, and um, you know what's the total cash rate for cost production across the year and by month. So you can actually disaggregate it down to individual supply chain route, um, commodity, uh, time of year, and everything else. And because it does look at that uh, ground up, uh, you know, lots of transport cost reductions, you can actually use it as well to in other programs such as you know you've got a wide range of submissions to for road upgrades or rail upgrades. And you look at understanding what's this the um, best selection to give you, you know, the best bang for buck basically. What what investments would you target across a range of options, um, you know, given you've got limited funding um, across all of them. Now it's been developed over the last number of years. We have developed a couple of end user tools from it. One of them is the Transit Web, which we developed about uh, two years ago uh, through um, train government funding and now that's been adopted by Australian government and you know, most of the states and territories at the stage, and we've got one local government board, but that's probably going to expand pretty quickly. So the Transit Web Tool very much looks at, allows the user to analyse freight movements along the road rail segments, look at you know what's the tonnes or vehicle movement of quantities, transport costs, critical analysis, and a wide range of different other ways you can actually you know, interrogate the, the outputs. Uh, what we're um, focusing on here today is the supply chain benchmarking tool. So it really looks at the freight moments from a supply chain perspective. In other words, you know, how do we compare uh, locations for transport costs by commodity? How do we compare different legs of the supply chain and so forth? Which is going to be more the focus of the presentation today. So go to the next slide. Um, as I mentioned, it's, uh, the tool is developed with uh, yeah, industry data basically over the number of years. So you have data from over 400 plus uh, industry organisations, uh, government departments, uh, actual enterprise themselves. They provide hard and soft data in terms of you know what's the freight moving through their uh, enterprise, yeah, annual throughputs, supply chain paths, and also soft uh, supply chain data in terms of you know where are some of the complexities in their supply chain that might affect transport costs and how do we incorporate them in the analysis so we actually have a proper representation of their transport um, in you know for that particular organization in different locations and that might include things such as you know you've got a, um, a wine manufacturer in a particular location but you transport road transporter freight from there to a rail loading point only three or four kilometers away and you've obviously got to go through town to do that so it captures those sorts of you know micro logistics. We've covered a large proportion of Australian freight tasks, about over 150 commodities now um, and growing. Um, more recently we're capturing the uh, construction sector uh, freight movements uh, including concrete steel and building materials. We have over 650,000 supply chains passed. So they're unique movements and they cover about 25 million uh, uh, vehicle trips or rail movements per year. So it does cover a large proportion of freight tasks, and we are getting closer and closer to as much of a coverage as possible. So um, now it's a number of ways you can send us sort of questions here. Um, you've got the uh, question mark here on the on the webinar tab, and you know, on your slide, and we uh, go through the questions as we go towards the end of the presentation. And from here, uh, what I'll do now is I'll switch over to my screen with the demonstration. So this is the supply chain benchmarking dashboard when you first load it up. You've obviously got the uh, credits on the top of the screen here. You've got tabs here to provide extra support and feedback and, you know, use guides and so forth. <coughs> up here you've got both road and rail selected here. 
I'll just go through the top end of this dashboard first, so before we go into these diagrams below. So this is, includes all the commodities. Well, at least all the commodities are on the dashboard. Um, and so this shows you 25 million annual trails. Now that's the equivalent to a semi-trailer equivalent uh, loaded of freight, or two TEUs basically. Um, it doesn't include the return trip of empty trailers. Um, here we've got the annual tons. This is payload tons, not gross vehicle tons. So uh, payload tons excluding packaging and pallets and containers. And you've got your annual tons kilometers, which is your calculation of that. Now this is a, an aggregated output. This is the average uh, cost per payload ton for transport uh, across all the uh, different uh, 650,000 plus routes, and your total transport costs per year across all the commodities about 30, 30 billion dollars. But I suppose road and rail. You go to the next line down. You got your total uh, total transport distance uh, kilometers across all the commodities, travel duration, your average trip distance, which is about 600 or so kilometers, your tra average travel time, and your freight value from that. <coughs> Obviously, when you've got uh, rail in there, mining is a very big uh, component of that, particularly due to coal and iron ore, as you can see in the graph below. If we just take rail away from the moment, all the graphs are updated just to show road only. So when you look at road only, um, you know, it's a significant drop in, in freight volumes. Um, as you can see here, all the data updates when you click road, rail on and off. Um, and so this graph here represents the, you know, the actual um, comparative size of the freight total freight costs. You can select the different metrics uh, like freight value, annual tons, cost per payload ton, for example. The big cost per payload ton it changes because you know, horticulture has a high cost per payload ton because there are very long travel distances. But let's just go back to total freight costs. So these are, the base, these are based on hierarchy, so at the highest level you get everything grouped by cropping or general freight, vehicles or mining or livestock. But when you click on one below, such as uh, you just click on general freight, all the data just in the whole screen, you know, obviously go further down, which I'll show you a bit more of that in a moment, it all updates to the one that you click on the, for general freight. So this, all these values here represent general freight only. Uh, obviously the uh, cost per payload ton is much higher. Uh, because you have obviously lower bulk density than, than the bulk freights. And the actual supply chain graph here updates as well too. Uh, let's go to So this is annual tons, you change it to annual freight costs, and the size of the actual graph will change as well too. Uh, you only want to show in terms of cost per payload ton. Again, it changes totally as well too. So the actual, the larger the bar, the higher the cost per payload ton. Now, there are a number of different ways you can interrogate that. You click on the middle button there, it goes back out again. And same way too, if you pick cropping, you can see the supply chain maps for the cropping uh, uh, changes again. You can move things around as well too, to you know, better see how it goes. Um, and if you're only interested in a particular leaf, say, say cropping to silo, you click on that and all the data up top, up, updates for that as well too. And to get rid of that, you just um, uh, delete that from there, you delete the silo from there, and it updates the data. And you can do the same again for each of the actual other types of commodities, whether it's good products, 
taking wood products here, it updates the supply chain graph. So let's just go out to the um, the total for the moment. We'll go a bit further down. Um, interesting enough, um, so this actually shows you like a critical length analysis between what's moving between LGAs, for example. So if you pick, um, oh, what's an interesting LGA? So the further the distance, obviously you get the higher cost per payload ton, and you, you do keep close to the town centres. But let's just say we pick, uh, uh, let's pick the Twomba uh, South, uh, South Burnett LGA. And the other graph will show the cost per payload ton for anything freight that's coming from South Burnett, basically. So it shows you the freight maps of what's coming from South Burnett and where it's going elsewhere. In the publicly available version, this will be quite uh, desensitised. So similar to Australian Bureau Statistics Standards, that it won't allow you to see information where there might be only a small number of enterprises in a, in a local government area. You can pick high levels such as statistical levels or states and territories. So we click out of that one. And similarly to your interest in uh, freight, say from Brisbane LGA. And the right hand graph will show a freight from Brisbane where it's going to across Australia as a freight density map. As cost per payload ton, you show it in terms of total tons as well too. So um, it gives you, allows you to view, you know, the densities of throughput analysis, what's coming from each LGA, where it's going to um, as, a, as a density map. So we just get out of that at the moment. And like I said, if you go up here and say you're only interested in uh, general freight, you click on general freight and these maps update themselves. Uh, so if you take a few seconds to update, uh, you just want to look at um, annual tons. So obviously, you know, you've got a lot moving between the Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, you know, the key capital cities, which does make these maps look a little bit um, skewed. But it does show, you know, lot, there's a lot of interstate breaks with that one, with, with general freight. Let's just go out of there and you say you're just, just interested in uh, wood products. So wood products, again, it updates all the numbers of these skanky graphs. And again, you can see this, uh, it shows you in battle that break. Uh, by wood products for annual tons or, or transport costs or cost of payload, however you want to see it. And again, if you look at the wood product from you know, Snow Valley, and it gives you an idea where it's, where it's come from. Uh, was it LGA? So, you know, you have some very small ones in there, which you know, you have to zoom right in to actually see them. When you go further down here, this shows you the cost of payload ton for all the sub commodities. Uh, well, we've got them on the all that one, just looking it up for a moment. Let's go back to all. Uh, this shows everything for all the commodities. So it breaks it down by supply chain length. So you've got your import length, so anything from a, to and from a port. Your primary distribution might be animals going to a feedlot or a side yard. Anything to a processor. Um, uh, your in-farm inputs. Uh, and then you've got your, your distribution, which is like from distribution centers to uh, rail loading points and, and supermarkets. And so you can actually start to compare it. Obviously, vehicles are quite high. There's a lot of movements from the, where they're imported, but also you don't get that many tons of vehicles on a particular uh, truck. Let's sort of uh, disaggregate it down by, um, say, general freight for that one. 
And when you say go for Genoprate, it updates the data all the way down here for Genoprate only. So that's your you know, average cost of time, payload time. You can turn it into total freight costs or any sort of way you want to be able to display the outputs. And you go down a bit further here, you can see you know, what's the upper, upper and lower courthouse and, and medians for each of these movements. So you know, while building materials um, might be quite low, but has a very low variation in, in transport costs. Whereas other ones such as wines and soft drinks have high ones because you, know, you, you have wine, particular production location, and you're trucking around the whole country basically. Um, here, just we start looking at the component costs of the vehicles or, or, the, or the rail trips, and this breaks it down by your maintenance costs, your fixed costs, fuel costs, driver costs, uh, and you can actually take into account logistics costs too. So this is where you've got your fatigue costs, the cost when you drop for driver fatigue stops, your decoupling costs uh, and unloading costs. So decoupling is like you run a road train, say from Central Australia across to say um, Sydney. You obviously need to decouple, you know, further down to in northern New South Wales into, you know, B doubles or A doubles basically. And as you go further down here, it actually breaks it down the data by, um, you know, what individual um, uh, commodity, uh, you know, total trailers. It gives you all the statistics basically for those commodities. So and after and again, once you click back out here, you go back out to all of them all the data uh, up that up status themselves. And the same way down here, you've got all the commodities down there, one unwinding the table. You can collapse the groups. Uh, obviously, oh, okay, I'll probably having yourself today, but we will do. And you say, we're gonna add it with rail up here. Let's just say, look at rail only. Now, obviously rail is very much uh, dominated by mining. Here we go. So it can be a little bit slow when you're demonstrating on a webinar. So you got mining here, obviously your coal and your iron ore is about 90% of all freight tonnage. Um, but if you show it in terms of the cost per payload tonne, it's completely different because uh, you know you mine's very close to the port, you know, super efficient trains, three kilometer, four kilometer trains. Uh, and the other ones here that use uh, uh, truck rail often have high cost per payload tonne. And every time you, know, you update the graph, you can update the one on the right-hand side as well too. Um, you obviously go further down. Uh, these graphs here represent, you know, from uh, your mining only. Obviously, you've got a lot of stuff there in the Pilbara region. And he obviously gives you data here. Just this is just for mining by itself. So I mean, exactly what I explained before, except it um, you know updates updates the um, graphs here. So obviously mining again very low cost per payload ton, uh, but if you put it in terms of uh, total cost. Oh, it does change a little bit. Life is quite high because you know you don't get the many cattle on the train, and it's only in Queensland. Any update you done here is just for your for your rail based trips. So add both some road and rail back again. So I might just say up the top here, so if you want more information about the transit, you know, obviously click on the, the, the icon here and 
also the freight data hub and the freight supply chain strategy for Australian government. Uh, if you want to provide feedback, allow you to provide feed, uh, information, provide the information in terms of where the load space analysis goes into here. We're actually updating the data fairly shortly in all of this. Um, so in about four or five weeks' time, we'll have a number of new commodities and then outputs. And yeah, it's got a user guide. Uh, which you know, goes through how to do interpret and play with all the different features. I'm pretty sure I missed out on a few features. Um, other ones here is your commodity data. So this is your metadata in terms of the commodities, what we have in there, what's included in the dashboard. So some commodities are desensitized or there's not enough data to put them in there yet. Um, and yes, more information about you know, frequently asked questions and more information about transit. So that is basically a bit of a nutshell about the uh, transit um, actual benchmarking tool. But all I might do now is go back into the presentation and I'll hand it back over to um, back over to Ross. Hey, thanks, Andrew. Um, that's great. Um, and yeah, very exciting uh, to see the release of this dashboard uh, coming up in the next uh, few weeks. Um, just undertaking final testing, uh, security uh, requirements and all of that um, to make sure that um, you know, it's fully hosted and operational uh, when we release it. Um, so yeah, so the next steps for this project uh, is that over the, I guess the coming six months or so, three-ish months, um, yeah, we'll be releasing the prototype, hopefully in the next three weeks, as I said earlier. Um, and we're currently working, uh, or Andrew's team is working on a range of um, user experience enhancements. And I think actually um, just saw some in action uh, just a minute ago uh, in relation to some of that um, uh, really powerful uh, geospatial kind of functions. Um, we're also working on, I guess, new modeling um, to look at, you know, really critical issues. And one, one great uh, feature or aspect of this, this approach uh, that we're taking with CSIRO is that it's really mode neutral and it's about, you know, uh, industry and economic value. Uh, so it looks at those, you know, supply chains end to end in a really integrated way rather than sort of, I guess, separate modes of transport. Uh, but what, so what we're doing to, I guess, support that is um, looking at how we're going to, how we might include coastal shipping in this kind of model. Um, and also looking at some other uh, commodities, um, you know, and that could be, uh, I guess, to sort of round out the coverage, but also looking at if there is, you know, any critical commodities, especially, you know, in the current environment where, um, you know, some industries are dependent on uh, different types of other um, inputs for manufacturing or production, uh, you know, how, how might we, you know, really support work on resilience uh, to do that? So we're looking a little bit into that. And we're also looking into backloading, which I think is a, a big issue that um, it, it is, I, I guess, for everybody involved in, in supply chains is something that's impacting, um, uh, you know, flow of goods. Um, so in the coming year, um, we'll also, uh, I guess, uh, build on this, this work uh, to uh, improve the spatial features, um, strengthen underlying systems and processes. And that this goes, I guess, towards uh, longer term, um, you know, how, how, can, how can we make this uh, dashboard uh, ensure it stays valuable for, for users, 
Uh, and also, how do we make it easy for people to kind of participate in the process and 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 kind of I, I guess um, uh, you know input their experience so that the model works better. Um, we're also going to be planning uh, some workshops with stakeholders across different, I guess, industry sectors or geographies and, and looking at validating those use cases I uh, introduced earlier. So there's a few others um, that we're interested in finding out, but we're also interested in, um, I guess, getting feedback on the, I guess, the use of the tool and how we might improve it. Um, but also, and critically for me as a, a policy officer is, um, you know, it, how do we turn these insights or, um, you know, I guess clues into supply chain efficiency into, you know, really tangible opportunities or, you know, um, kind of uh, foundations for, for, for potential policy action. So that's something I'm really looking forward to working with um, all stakeholders on is using this evidence base as a kind of, I guess, a conversational starting point to say, hey, this looks like, you know, there might be a lot of variation here or, um, you know, what do these cost types really resonate with with certain industries or geographies? And and how, you know, what are the kinds of things that you know, government and industry could work together with uh, on to uh, I guess improve. Um, and then we're also uh, Andrew and I are uh, working uh, on potential international collaboration, and that's not only with regard to looking at how the Australian experience compares, but also you know looking at potentially. Um, extending the reach of some of the modeling and and looking at the sort of offshore uh, kind of aspects uh, to Australian industry, whether you know producers or or uh, as I said before, um, those that may be relying on on specific inputs. Um, just for more information uh, about the dashboard or the pro project or the national freight and supply chain strategy, uh, please feel free to get in touch with us. Um, uh, once the dashboard's live, there, there is a sort of feedback function in the dashboard. Um, uh, and we will be, um, I guess, sending out a link to the dashboard uh, through the Osroads network. So uh, yeah, it'll be critical for us to, uh, I guess, uh, ensure that the, that the dashboard provides value for Osroads stakeholders. Um, uh, so we'll be providing the link to that. The, it will be published on the National Freight Data Hub prototype. Um, and you can find the current uh, iteration of the Freight Data Hub uh, on freightaustralia.gov.au. So that's freightaustralia.gov.au. Um, otherwise, if you'd like any more information on this project or others, uh, as I said before, uh, please feel free to get in touch with us at freightstrategy at infrastructure.gov.au. Um, and I might just hand back and see if there's any um, questions or you know requests around the, the I assume that there might be a lot of requests around um, the dashboard itself. Thank you very much Ross uh, and thanks Andrew. Uh, before we move uh, to the Q&A uh, in addition to what Ross said I wanted to let everybody know that um, if you leave the session, if you don't stick around for the Q&A, if you um, decide to leave now, if you stick around till the end, um, there will be a survey uh, at the end where you uh, can let us know if you want to be notified uh, when the prototype is available for the public, um, so you can provide your feedback. So that's just a little note from me. Uh, and Richard, uh, if you could join us. Again, Hello. Katerina. Yes. Oh, good. So over to you. Thank you, Katerina. And first of all, thank you, uh, Andrew and Ross, for your uh, presentation. And I invite you to 
probably turn your cameras on uh, if you want to, uh, so that we can uh, go through a few questions. Uh, very, very good presentation. And as, as per the feedback that we've received already online um, from a lot of stakeholders, so that, that's really good. I'll just go through, we've received a good handful of questions uh, so far, and there may be more to come, but uh, uh, probably directly on, on the dashboard, uh, Andrew, uh, a, few, a few questions uh, for your consideration. Um, are you able to share where the data, where, where the base data came from, from the movement of goods through to the cost breakdowns for railroad and logistic costs? So, how much granularity can we see as a user in terms of where the data comes from and and, and this sort of thing? I think you you showed us a few things, Andrew, on the the metadata. But is there is there more for people to to see and understand in the background? Yeah, thanks for that. Um... So the, you have the uh, commodity metadata and that shows, you know, what year the data represents. It doesn't show exactly where it comes from because some commodities can come from dozens or several uh, uh, organisations. So we do need to keep desensitised where we can. Uh, well, we'll be adding more information in terms of, you know, is it um, industry data or whether it's publicly available data. So we'll be giving a bit more detail in that um, respect over time. Um, yeah, and I, I think I, I'd like to add, I, I guess, um, for me, this is the real, um, I guess, beauty of modelling in some ways, that the, the, the approach that the SIRO has taken is to sort of um, use um, a, a range of mixed data sources and, I guess, model those optimal supply chains, but it doesn't really necessarily map to any specific organisation. Like, and, and what, I guess what, uh, and correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, but uh, I think that this is, for, for us in government, this is really useful just to sort of set the benchmark. And, and, that and then we can sort of talk about specific industries or geography, geography experiences using that as, I guess, yeah, just as a benchmark to say, like, you know, what's in line, what's out of line. And I find this much more powerful than having a, you know, question based on, you know, what somebody said down on the wharf or, you know, that kind of, um, you know, I, I guess, um, anecdotal evidence. So what we're trying to develop is a kind of reliable, um, though really aggregate benchmark for us to evaluate performance as a whole. Brilliant, thank you, Jens. Um, what, what percentage of all freight trips do you estimate uh, is captured in the, in the transit system and the dashboard? Um, that's a good question. So for rail freight, I'd say about 95%, probably a bit even higher. Uh, obviously, when you've got your um, coal and iron ore, you've got a large percentage there. Uh, for the other freight, um, in the dashboard at the moment, I'd say about uh, 60%. Um, now, it does depend on freight routes. So you, obviously, when you get freight routes, when you've got a lot of bulk freight, it's you know, a pretty high, high percentage. Uh, when you've got freight routes, there's a bit more general freight and your know, mixed freight is a bit lower. But there's a number of other commodities in there we're still to add over time. I think with the next over the next six months, as we add the buildings, the construction sector in there, that percentage will jump up a fair bit. Uh, we don't have an exact number yet what percentage we'll have uh, in six to 12 months, but I'll be confident it would be over 75%, maybe 80%. So by the sound of it, uh, there's always more data to come. Um, and you, you were talking earlier about uh, more data to come in the next four or five weeks. So I guess you've got this regular uh, feed of, of new data sets for new commodities or updated data on existing commodities that you're tracking. Uh, can you tell us a bit more, Andrew, how, 
how that runs, how you, how you collect that data, how you, you how you chase up industry and government stakeholders to, I guess, industry stakeholders first to, to get that data. Yeah, look, a lot is very much relationship-based. So I'm just going back to uh, the first part of the question is that we try to update the data about new baseline run about every six months. I um, mean, that's give or take one or two months. Um, and that involves updating the currency of the supply chain data we have in there. So, for example, we might have 2018 for livestock and we update it for 2020, 2021. So in the next baseline coming out for weeks, you're going to have the 2020, 2021 grains in there, whereas beforehand we were using 2016. Um, so the updating data is very much based on relationships. So we establish relationships with industry, um, you to be able to provide information uh, to update the supply chain parts. We, we've got a fairly good um, you know, you know, set of you know, questions or what we need to ask. So we're not asking for, you know, highly sensitive day-to-day -day and transaction information. We don't need to know the names of the customers. We really want to capture freight movements. Basically. So we know, you know, a fairly good idea in terms of how do we ask the right questions to, you're not getting information that's not too sensitive. We obviously do have some data gaps. So where we have data gaps from industry data, we would use your more publicly available information like some ABARES and others, for example. So it is a bit of a jigsaw puzzle, and we do update over time. There are other updates as well too. So we're obviously updating the road rail networks over time, uh, make sure we've got the latest um, road improvements, um, such as the uh, Pacific motorway upgrades from Brisbane to Sydney. I mean, that's obviously gonna be in there the next run, and other road improvements across the country where high, higher mass, sorry, HML has been approved, uh, where we can capture that information, we'll include it. So. We, you know, it's obviously a large amount of information to capture. We try to, yeah, you know, capture that, you know, where we can for each baseline run. It is quite tedious, it's, it's time consuming. And in the future, when we work with the Freight Data Hub, we are looking at other, going to be better, more streamlined ways of being able to do that, whilst at the same time, obviously protect, um, you know, any sensitivities as well. Yeah, I'll just, I'd just like to add as well, um, you know, it, it really is a, a testament as well to, um, you know, that making sense of multiple mixed and, and not necessarily, you know, easy to fit together uh, data sources. And, and in, in, with specific respect to things like the ABS data or other, you know, open data sources, um, I think the model is, has been really successful in sort of make, you know, putting them into supply chain perspective in a way. Um, and that's something we're also looking at is, you know, how do we um, make that kind of, is there a possibility to provide a longitudinal kind of look at supply chain performance over time? Um, at the moment, the model is, uh, you know, it's amazing. Uh, and it sort of models for, I guess, best year. And that's most useful for, you know, when you're planning investment or, you know, road maintenance or things like that, you might want to take, you don't want to take into account the lowest year uh, of traffic. but um, and so, uh, and I think that, um, you know, that's one thing that I guess Andrew and, and us are, are sort of working on, um, you know, the potential for longitudinal and yeah, I mean, yeah, that's probably. Very good. Thank you, Andrew and, and Ross. Um, another question, a bit different topic. Uh, does the two, the dashboard split out uh, container versus non-container movement? Uh, and can it also split out origin destination for containerized imports and exports? Yeah, so that's a good question. So uh, in the next version, probably the next six months, when we introduce backloading, it will have that container type to segregation. So you've got your, you know, dry containers, refrigerated containers or reefers, 
you got your tankers, uh, you've got to ride livestock carriers, you've got your bulk freight, you know, dangerous goods and so forth. So it will include that in there. Uh, it also will differentiate a bit more about understanding you know, where are the available um, containers on different routes. Um, so that, that will be added in there. What was the other part of your questions? Um, can it also, can the, the dashboard show origin destination for container containerized imports and exports? No, so it won't show anything beyond the geographical uh, outputs that you saw um, in the graph there, so whether it's LGA or statistical level, le levels. Um, the transit web um, does show that um, right down to an enterprise level, but that's, that's a bit different. Very good. There's another question, which uh, which is uh, what region data, what what data will be online? Will that cover only Queensland or another state? I I, I believe from what we've seen is when you release the dashboard, it covers the whole nation for all communities that you have. Is that correct, or is that or are you going to go in a stage delivery per geography? No, it'll cover all uh, all states. So basically, what you saw before it will cover. There obviously will be some desensitisation. So when you do filters and if you drop down to uh, below a certain number of enterprises within a geographical unit or within a commodity or something like that, it will um, you know, hide them out basically um, uh, in the publicly available version to keep that, you know, sort of Australian Bureau of Statistics sort of level of, of desensitisation. But it'll pretty well look much the same as what you saw on the screen before. Very good. Um, probably building on that international connection there as well. When a commodity is going overseas, is this represented by destination as the Australia port uh, from which it departs? So at the moment, we don't have international movements in there. Uh, we will be adding coastal shipping over the next uh, few months. Uh, I, I Ross might want to talk to about the uh, international extension at, at some stage. Do you want to mention something, Ross? Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess at this stage, it's it's um, uh, you know movements um, you know within the country. Um, but I, I guess we, you know, this the genesis of this project was around comparing Australian supply chains to international uh, comparators, and and we've done that. And we're actually just uh, I guess a, a shout out to uh, I guess another sort of uh, part of the project is that uh, we're hopefully in the in the coming weeks to complement the dashboard we'll be releasing um, some great assessments uh, completed by LEK consulting uh, and that'll that we'll have some short high level uh, sectoral level assessments so covering each of the 10 major sector groups in the kind of donut diagram that Andrew showed you but then also international comparisons on six key commodities uh, and those are you know dairy fuel uh, seafood um, general container imports, um, uh, vehicles, and, and so we're working on, um, you know, progressively providing that international lens. Uh, and then also, I guess, um, and probably more uh, around what the quest question was aiming at was looking at the international legs of the supply chain. And we really, I guess, only begun to start thinking about um, how we might tackle that. And, and, and if we did, you know, what would be the first sort of exploratory steps into, into sort of how it might happen. Yeah. Ross, maybe just building on that, is are there any uh, like key insights or that, that that you're aware of from from your work with with the, the consultants you mentioned, like in terms of like um, insights that are a bit surprising or, or you know that the the, the the dashboard may have 
uh, help to realize. If, if you may share, noting that obviously the, the reports will, will provide more detail, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Probably, um, you know, it's a, it's a lot of information. Um, I think that, um, you know, what the reports highlighted for me was um, that, um, you know, there are there are quite some similarities, but the approach taken in the, um, it's been really useful to have the CSIRO modeling as this um, systematic evidence base for these international comparisons. So the assessments are, are kind of reflect the same approach and have sought to, I guess, um, develop um, similar kinds of benchmarks in terms of terms of things like cost per payload ton, um, you know, a, a, that have been modeled for the Australian experience. And then, and then, so comparing that with comparing the differences in, in those kind of key measures, uh, the consultants have been able to sort of look at, I guess, um, you know, what are the, what are the sort of prototypical pathways that, you know, that these types of supply chains take in, you know, Europe, for example, or England or New Zealand. Um, and, and then, and then I guess it's what I'm hoping is that through the, through workshopping these, these kinds of intelligence sources with industry and other levels of government, we can sort of identify, I guess, um, you know, uh, using the evidence, uh, some sort of rational basis for sort of like, Hey, can we explore maybe uh, different, I don't know, policy levers or different, you know, um, maybe different approaches, uh, you know, to be led by industry in terms of, um, you know, improving things. Yeah. Thank you, Ross. Um, maybe another question here. Uh, will do do government agencies have more access to more data than uh, maybe was publicly available, uh, Andrew? And I guess that may relate to not only the access to the dashboard, but the use of the transit system in the background, possibly Andrew. Uh, I can't speak for the department. I mean, like, you know, when we gather this information, you know, we obviously work pretty closely with uh, the Department of Infrastructure. We also work pretty closely with the Department of Agriculture um, and others um, as part of, you know, you know, um, Understanding what data is available, how we might be able to use it. Um, you know, it's obviously some data is obviously, uh, yeah, with the department quite publicly available. Uh, others are not. But very much was work about working with the industry, basically, you know, using real industry data because industry had the best confidence in these sorts of tools if they know the data has been used, if they've, you know, we've spoken to them to understand, you know, how the data should be used, uh, how we should, uh, you know, incorporate their logistics uh, from, a, you know, into a, into a model. How do we actually properly represent it? So. That the use of industry data is was was key to getting um industry confidence in this sort of tool. Um, and I'd probably just like to add that it's um you know it's a real uh one key design feature of this project that I love is that it's it's really making use of of you know investment in in collection over the period of nine years. You know, so this isn't sort of like collect and then you know forget. It's this is. Uh, you know, gradually building intelligence and the model and the approach over a consistent, sustained period of time. Uh, and, and now we're at the stage where I, I you know, I really believe that, um, you know, it's it's not necessarily a specific data that any one sort of industry or, or government organization has provided, but uh, this kind of model offers a very different value proposition than, you know, traditional statistics. Um, and and, and uh, you know maybe other kinds of data sources. So it's not it's not specific data to me that represents you know you know one organization or one state versus another. But it's for me it's around 
um, you know, the power is in the aggregate and the model uh, and reuse, um, making full use of, of data that's been provided over a long period of time. And providing, uh, and providing access and providing appropriate access to uh, many, many stakeholders. So that's great. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Um, will would you have planned beyond coastal shipping data? Would you have planned to also uh, one day include um, data from uh, aviation freight in your in your future dashboard and transit system? I think that makes sense. Yeah, but um, I, I'm not sure. I haven't discussed with Andrew. Andrew, what do you think? I oh, actually uh, did a small project um, about a year ago with Port Innovation looking at the air freight of horticulture in Australia. It's a, air freight's a hard one. Um, it's a bit more opportunistic than uh, than shipping, um, and also to, you know it depends on a lot of variables around you know, backload capacity and other factors in there. But it's something we like to include. But we we do know that it will be quite substantially different from one year to the next. I will note uh, as well. As well, um, you know, a real key, I guess, focus for this project has been, um, you know, the, the the huge volumes of freight um, and 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 goods. Um, so while we've you know looked at sort of high value commodities uh, as part of the benchmarking, you know, priorities, um, it's it's just been really amazing to actually um, in such a short period of time gain a reasonable level of confidence on what kinds of challenges and costs are faced by you know eighty percent of Australian industry. In terms of logistics and freight, yeah. Okay. Um, so I think the the we see the the dashboard and the transit system provides a lot of data and insights on on key freight routes and uh, roads and and rail. Uh, to what extent may may the data also cover uh, the the last mile, last kilometer, the uh, the e-commerce or the as some call them the the, the white vans that 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 finish the trip for delivery. That's probably uh, another set of, of data. So it does include all the uh, all the road segments. So whether it's a local road or a small road getting into uh, a distribution centre or, or a supermarket, it doesn't include private roads. Um, but it does go down to the level that once you're at a distribution centre and need to uh, disaggregate into or reaggregate re into uh, vehicles going to supermarkets. Um, so it does take into account, you know, getting to the to retailers. It doesn't. It doesn't take into account going to individual households. Um, sort of hasn't gone that, that sort of level yet. But it does take into account, you know, those last miles. You know, if you're going to get into a poor, you often have to decouple into smaller trailers and so forth. Uh, you've got to take into account, you know, you can't run a fee double into most uh, uh, supermarkets or those sorts of areas. You've got to do some uh, go break down into smaller vehicles on on those sorts of routes. So, uh, where possible. But where it does really get broke down into uh, your small profile, like you know your some of your home deliveries and that sort of stuff, um, where you've got very small vehicles, it, it doesn't take that into account yet. Okay, very good. Um, another question or two, maybe if we have the time. Um, does the dashboard provide any information about seasonality of commodity movements? You you touched on that quickly in the demo earlier, Andrew. Yes, it does, um, and that's going to be added to the uh, the dashboard at some point. Is the time of year, um, well, monthly movements. So in the transit web, we'd already have that, but uh, you know it's pretty critical in sort of agriculture. You know, when you got you got grain harvesters, you got a very high you know amount of grain moving around to grain sales around sort of you know October to December, but it drops off, and you know you obviously got other 
uh, like horticulture.specific harvest season. So it does take that into, into account, uh, but monthly movements not yet shown on, on the dashboard. Okay, thank you. I think along the same line, and, and, and my apologies if you've shown that in the demonstration, uh, but I, is the dashboard allow us to, that, does it allow us to view historical changes and trends over time? Can we can we compare on, on different uh, periods? That's a future feature. So the aim is to have that um, feature operation to some extent, so uh, probably in the next six months. So the, the goal there is that we can store an old baseline, Say representation of 2020, and when you go to 2021-2022, you can actually show that uh, the differences. But you'd have to note there that not all commodities will be updated every year, um, but it will show you, you know, for the commodities that have been updated or those changes, you know, you can, or those, you can see those, um, you know, those changes in transport costs and everything else. But also will show you changes as well to to improvements to, um, you know, the road network and in a high productivity vehicle access. So if there's been updates to them in a particular state or road corridor from you know, one baseline to another, it'll start highlighting some of those efficiency gains as well too. Brilliant. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Ross. Uh, we'll probably stop there. There's a few more questions to go through, which which I'm sure we'll uh, attempt to respond to uh, offline after the, the webinar. I'll, uh, I'll probably now hand over back to, to you, Ekaterina. Uh, to run us through the, the end of this webinar. And thanks again, Andrew and Ross, for, for your presentation. And obviously, as you can see in the questions, there's always a great appetite in more functionality. You know, what can you do next? So, uh, but but I just, uh, on behalf of the people who ask those questions, I think it's a reflection on the tool. There's great data, great insights that the, the tool can provide. But as we know, each time we talk about data, there's always more functionalities than features that people oh. aspire to. Uh, but that's great to hear that there's a plan, and as you said, Ross, it's uh, it's not a set and forget initiative. It's uh, it's something for that has obviously come up from 10 years of work, and there's probably another few years of of continuous work to go through. Great, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's iterative process, but I look forward to uh, all the feedback we can get. Great, back to you, Nikita. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, Richard, Ross, Andrew. I just have a couple of slides to finish uh, the session. Uh, just a few words about our future webinars. Uh, you might be interested in the webinar we will have on the 28th of September, uh, where we will talk about the project that explored issues um, related to the supply of data on freight routes uh, required by the heavy vehicle road reform. Um, so you can find more information about all uh, our sessions uh, and register on our website. Uh, and as I said before, um, after we close out today's session, there will be a questionnaire on your screen. So please take a couple of minutes to fill it in. Um, let us know what you liked, what you didn't like about the session uh, and what suggestions you have for future webinars. So once again, today's session is being recorded uh, and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe um, and enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, we hope to see you next time.